Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Five Things Podcast. I am your host, Kenny Gold, recording live from the Jersey Shore. You might hear a bird chirp, you might hear a wave crash. With me, two of my esteemed colleagues, and I'm starting to sound like a broken record, but two of my favorite people. We have the Director of Data Strategy. Did I get that right, Beth Rolfs? Executive Director of Data Strategy. Throwing in an executive and the content architect, the coral man himself, Mr. Ishtreore. Hello, everyone. What's going on? We have a full five things to talk about today. The first five thing is going to... That's weird. It's not the first five thing, but here are our five things. Beth will be talking to us about Twitch temporarily banning Donald Trump. Woohoo! Ish will be talking about Reddit banning the Donald subreddit. There might be a theme here. <laughs> I'll tell you a little bit about Facebook outlining efforts to address platform hate speech, an ever-changing target. Beth will talk a bit about Twitter testing collaborative fleets. And Ish will talk to us about Instagram testing a full-screen stories display. So with that, Beth, Twitch temporarily banning Donald Trump. Let's talk about it. Well, I feel like it's in the headline, but um, Twitch temporarily banned Donald Trump's Twitch account. Uh, it's it's caused a lot of um, conversation, and I think a good one for us to be having about whether or not it's up to a social platform to regulate um, politicians the same way that they would regulate their users. So Twitch has a pretty clear cut um, hate speech protocol. They have come out and said that they're going to crack down on that. And one of the accounts that they banned was Donald Trump. Um, they cited specifically uh, his Tulsa rally where he made some uh, racist comments. And then I believe it was also his um, one of his first rallies that he ever did where he made those definitely hate speech comments about Mexicans being rapists and um, those infamous quotes that we've heard over and over. You know, it's, it's interesting. You said we have to have the discussion of whether or not it's right for these channels to be banning people and the, the nature of free speech is you can say what you want when you want. And if people don't want to listen, uh, that that's their their right. And um, you know, it's it's a conversation that we're having almost daily with what's happening in our industry and what's happening with all of the channels. Um, I applaud the efforts of channels like Twitch and Reddit who have taken a stand early on and upfront about what's acceptable for their communities. Uh, at their core, they are a connected community hub. It is where people come together to have a dialogue and it needs to be a safe space and it needs to be a space where brands and people and organizations can interact with one another in a meaningful way uh, to help advance their own goals. Um, it should not be platforms that are designed, in my opinion, uh, to amplify hate speech and and um, and rhetoric that, that frankly is rooted in, in lies versus facts. So, so in my mind, I think Twitch made more friends than enemies with something like this. 
Yeah. I think it's really interesting for us in this industry that we're in in advertising to notice how this is how to publicize and how to promote something in a way and it doesn't work. It seems like, and, and it's probably going to segue off into what I'm talking about um, with with Reddit, but for some reason, it just seems like Donald Trump's team was smart enough to put him all the current places, but they used all those places incorrectly. Like the messaging is always more about um, like polarizing and, and 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 kind of splitting people in half, if that makes sense, rather than like any like to, like like some of, like any form of togetherness. You know, just an opinion, but it seems like um, these social platforms and all these different platforms are finally starting to get hip to it. It seems like he just sets up like satellites for people to kind of jump into his rhetoric if need be. You know, it's always there and and it feels kind of big brotherish because you could be on any platform and you can get a Trump message no matter where you're at. And it's it's a different type of uh, of messaging and it shows that all advertising sometimes isn't good proper messaging well i think now we can bleed and blend into the second thing which is about reddit banning the donald subreddit and ish tell us a little bit about that and we can continue this conversation yeah so everyone knows how much reddit is the gatekeeper of memes along with 4chan and how they talk up just topics and good bad and indifferent with this Donald Trump situation, this is more curving towards the uh, the negative side because there are a lot of um, groups that are quasi darknet groups on Reddit, and trust me, they can get toxic, and they can also you know provide some laughs for people. But within this Donald Trump subreddit, it got toxic to the point where Reddit actually had to step in and literally either demod or take off members of their community completely out it's 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 crazy because i'm thinking of it so much because it's so many of them but the trump one became a hub for just toxic activity and it got to the point where it was so much bullying and harassment and so much craziness that they just had to get it out of there you know and and this is coming from someone who's actually read the um the el chapo trap house subreddit that reddit alone was crazy sparks can fly out of that subreddit. So for them to eliminate the Trump one, even before that one, I guess they kind of did it all together, just shows how improper messaging can really affect the website. But it's also, you know, Steve Huffman, their their CEO and one of their founders said that Reddit is a place for community and belonging, not for attacking people. And I think by identifying both left and right subreddits that are in violation of that notion shows the type of community they're trying to build. I applaud them for that. That's badass. Like that that's exactly what we want from our communities. Beth, it's what do you think? Totally I totally agree. Um and I think what's really interesting about the Reddit forums or the subreddits, um in addition to kind of the Twitch stuff that we we're talking about is the fact that Reddit is set up with moderators for all of their subreddits, and yet they still had to kind of step in. So it's, I just think that's like a really interesting part of this of Reddit kind of gave us all the chance to have our own policing within subreddits and set rules and set standards, but they're taking it a step further um, to 
include hate speech, which it, then it also takes me down this route of going forward are um, existing and new social platforms going to have to be more specific about defining what hate speech is and how does that kind of take us down a legal route of free speech versus hate speech. I could go on and on for days about that, but. But we're going to continue to talk about this because the, because, because the third thing on our list here is that Facebook has outlined efforts to address platform and hate speech. And even at the recording of this podcast, there is new news coming every single day about the ongoing conversation between civil rights groups and the Facebook leadership team after thousand plus advertisers have begun boycotting the platform and what is facebook attempting to do uh to try and right the wrongs that happen on the platform um and and in turn um get those advertisers to come back and and help that community move forward um they are they have opened themselves up facebook uh to an independent audit uh, they have been being audited for a few years now as well, talking about the way that hate speech is seen on the platform. Uh, they are go- they met already at the recording of this podcast with all of uh, the civil rights leaders who helped form the boycott from the a- Anti-Defamation League and the uh, NAACP and, and the entire crew there along with Sleeping Giants. Uh, and frankly they you know even all of the efforts that facebook has outlined the 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 organizers are not pleased um and we just saw a note come through here at the newsroom this fake newsroom that i'm hosting over here um that facebook is officially banning any white supremacy posts and comments that come out on the platform they will be actively looking for it um so this is a day-by-day development, and and we are constantly talking about this here at Gray, uh, and I open it up to Beth and Ish to tell us a little bit about what they're thinking in terms of what Facebook is doing to curb hate speech on the channel. Man, that's a heavy one. I think it's a good step. Um, the active monitoring piece of it, I think, is pretty interesting of if... Facebook takes the stance that they will be actively monitoring white supremacy hate speech. What about all the other types of hate speech that are out there? And are they setting themselves up to kind of be the a police in a bigger way than they probably um, want to dedicate resources to be? But I, I mean, I'm pretty consistent across all these platforms. I think it's really important for us to make sure that social media is a place of community and coming together, especially in the current world that we live in. And um, I think what we started as like cyberbullying on the platform has launched into something really toxic and against my moral values. So I think it's great that they're all taking the steps. I think Facebook is in true Facebook fashion. Um, taking a light step instead of a firm stance. Beth, I could not agree more. Ish, what do you think? It's it's heavy. It's one of those situations where you more or less are worried about how it translates into day-to-day for the future of people who interact online, you know? Because there are people who understand that like some of this stuff is propaganda 
or, or fake news or there are there people who who do look for safe spaces and certain groups that you know you know that align with their thoughts and morals you know and there is the free speech and i'd rather someone who has a this who i'd rather someone who has a distaste for something be vocal about it than feel like they don't have a voice and then they blow up and do things that that are even worse than typing you know and that's where the term keyboard warrior comes from someone who wants to express something through the internet rather than go outside and do something crazy right so people need outlets to to be fair but in the same sense you can't push an agenda that's really like tearing down like what's supposed to be the the dna makeup of our country and the world you know which is peace and tranquility and all these great things that we try to strive for every single day so i guess uh, for me if that's the the main thing that we're pushing for you got to police it you know and it starts from the tippy top and then they'll work their way into other smaller situations but this is the you, you know it's the big header so it's the one that they they felt like they had to address i think that's a really interesting point though ish is what happens when a whole group of people that whether we like it or not have these views and live in this country don't have an outlet and a voice is there going to be a rogue social media platform where all like-minded people go and it turns into an even bigger ball of hate or are we going to see people lashing out in real world ways instead of just sitting behind their computer? Yeah, it's, you know, I think what people are pining for is a place for civil discourse and conversation in a meaningful way. And by the way, there's an ice cream truck coming in, which is the most Jersey Shore thing ever, if you hear it in the background. Um, while I talk about a very serious topic, you know, it's, I think it, Facebook owes it to all of us as a place that brings the world closer together and connects the world to focus on creating a space where people can have a conversation in a meaningful and adult way. Um, and, and you have to hope that this is where it happens because we as marketers want to make sure that we can tell our clients that they can be on these channels. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we focus and make the platform better. And that's Facebook's job. Beth. Tell us a little bit about Twitter testing collaborative fleets. Collaborative fleets on Twitter. So this is, I think, both brilliant and a little confusing to me, if I'm being honest. Um, so <laughs> Twitter has created collaborative fleets, and it's it's their version of stories. Um, and it's basically stories where if I'm understanding this correctly. Um, two different users can merge stories together. And the idea is to be able to play off of um, what's already naturally happening on the platform with um, sharing stories, gift wars, um, interviews, and kind of real-time events and conversation and have that be this almost interactive um, ping pong of stories. It's awesome. I love this. I think this is so cool. I cannot wait to see brands jump in on this. I want to see who they talk to. I want to see how they bring it to life. The notion of being able to mimic the Twitter conversation mechanism through a story like object is awesome. I am a huge fan of this more so than when they did the audio tweets 
I am all, all, all in on this. Hundo P. Ish, what uh, do you think? I have a question for uh, I have a question for Beth. So in a way, like, because I'm always trying to learn more about strategy. It makes my job easier, like in data. Like, how does this it's like, what does this do for you? Uh, I mean, for your segment of the world and how you guys see and, and look at, you know, data and things like that? Uh, such a good question. Ish. So I read this and like Kenny was like, that's freaking cool. And I can't wait to kind of see how that comes to life. And I think it's a great way for the, a platform that by some people is seen as dying, even though Kenny, I know that we disagree about this, um, to kind of take advantage of this trend from a data perspective, quite selfishly. Um, the, the point that the story or the fleet goes away after 24 hours is going to take a lot of the conversation where my team can go and find insights about what's happening culturally and behaviorally and kill it. So <laughs> that's kind of, I think I'm hoping and knowing Twitter and their backend, they will figure out a way for um, their partners to be able to still listen to this conversation in some way, but maybe not. Um, so it definitely could cut down on the amount of social conversation that we would have to look at. Got it. Bummer. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just excited. I think it's fun creatively. You can do your social listening somewhere else. <laughs> we can have fun with that one. <laughs> the combing through Twitter is always interesting to me, though, because Twitter has so many well-rounded tweets from all over. Like, you can get someone from Indonesia who has a better insight about Kentucky Fried Chicken than someone who works there. Someone who works there might just say, I can't wait to get off my shift. And someone else might have a crazy fact way that you never knew. And that's just what Twitter gives you, you know? And the way, you know, data strategists and, and people comb through it is just always interesting to me. And I just know how to play it back into creative. So, yeah, shout out well, to that side of it. Speaking of fun creativity on testing new platform editions, Tell us a little bit about Instagram testing full screen stories display. Cool. So everyone knows that if you, especially when you had older iPhones, every time Instagram updates, it takes away a lot of, a lot of space from your phone. So Instagram being one of the leaders and wanting to keep that app on your phone, realize that a perfect workaround for uh, um, space expansion rather is to actually give stories its own little tab. So what they've so what they've divvied out and, and tested out right now, I guess it's in beta, is a little four-row actual full feed where you can see people's stories and just select it all right there and just see everyone's little world instead of it being at the top ticker. I think that's interesting because there are people who are more committed to Insta stories now. And if you want to get directly to someone's actual story you can just go right to it the way they do it now is basically how frequent you dm that person so if me and xyz have a three-hour dm conversation then they post four things on their story their story is probably going to come up more frequently for me because instagram says i talk to this person more but now you can have the full menu and not miss anything whether it's from a brand whether it's from an entity or whether it's from an old friend that you usually never see their story because you don't sit on stories for as long as others do. So it's going to be a really fun capability and it's going to get people a lot more active and DMing much more. So 
all tweaks that Instagram make are definitely about like crystallizing their app and changing the meta every chance they get so it can remain fresh. This is definitely something designed to ward off TikTok and, and ish. You're spot on there. There's a reason your story shows up first for me a lot because we DM frequently. Um, so, you know, I think this one's a really good build. Beth, what do you think? I love it. I think one of my biggest pain points with stories personally is that you have to like scroll through. And the other way the algorithm works, if I understand it correctly, is that it will show you the stories that you watch. So I think a lot of times if you're not sitting on stories for a long time, you get this like repetitive loop of people's content. And so I think it's wonderful. I'm excited to be able to kind of pick and choose um, whose stories I see. And I think it'll also just really boost engagement with stories. Brilliant on Instagram. Love it. I love it. I think you're going to see there's going to be a new ad product too, where you can boost your story to the top there. And it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, I'll be curious to see if they bring the hashtag challenge over as well, knowing yeah. that Facebook and Instagram are notorious for uh, borrowing some other features from other channels. Uh, very good stuff. Well, thank you for listening to the hashtag five things. I'd like to thank our guests, Beth Rolfs, Istreori. Thank you. Thank you. To let us know what you think of the show, hit us up on Gray's social channels, or you can email us podcasts at gray.com. With that, stay safe, stay smart, stay social. We'll see you next week. The Five Things are written and researched by Andrew Petty and Grace McDougall, produced by Joey Scarillo, Danielle Hunt, and John Dillon. Additional support by John Jenkinson and Christina Hyde. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.